Hello and welcome back. Section 229 Creighton Basketball Talk. I'm your host, Austin Gall, here with a full crew yet again today. Back again are Blake Carver, Dan Hall, and Brock Schutz. Well, let's pick up where we left off, boys. Creighton season is now over. This magical two-year runs two-year run these dudes have uh, have been on it officially come to an end as they all say uh all good things must come to an end and that couldn't be more relevant right now but let's go ahead and welcome in the crew boys how are we coping over there in omaha i know it's been it's been a rough week here in my 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 apartment here in st louis but let's gauge let's gauge everybody's feelings how are we how are we how are we doing guys hmm, magical season ended too soon i feel apt analysis there blake <laughs> With I'm little happy. of no avail. I'm happy. We did yeah. we did something historical, so yeah. it's a win. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. Dan, how you feeling, bro? Dan, I feel, I, I feel like you're 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 always my guy that brings the energy on these intros. Like Blake comes in a little like flat at the beginning. Brock comes in, and then Dan comes in. And he's like, yeah. So I mean, well, I mean, we lost, but I'm pretty freaking cheery, man. Okay, good. Good. Well, I just wanted to see how everybody was doing. So, yeah, it's been a rough week. I mean, <clears throat> you really wanted to see them go a bit farther, but, um, you know, all, all good things must come to an end. You know, I mean, you really have to appreciate what these seniors have been through this year, too, not only with like all of that COVID shit that's going on right now. <laughs> I say it like I don't know like what's going on, like all of that COVID shit right now. Like we totally know what's going on, but, um, you know, and with with Greg's comments, you know, these guys have been through a lot <laughs> the past couple weeks, you know, not just past couple months, but you know, specifically last couple weeks. Um, so I, I, it's probably good that they're getting a break from all this and like able to relax for a minute, but I guarantee they're all right back in the gym. But um, well, I guess let's, uh, let's dig into the podcast here today. We're going to go over the Gonzaga game, talk about next year. We've got some fan questions. We'll follow up with Dan and all of his NCAA predictions. I'd like to point out that I'm still, I'm not in first place anymore, but I'm in second place in our bracket challenge. So I don't, I don't know who's in first. It's not you. So <laughs> some dude, named but are you Mike, in third? Mike. Are you in, are you in third now? Okay. I am in third. Did yeah. I'm, I'm not right in the basement anymore, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you were kind of fucked from the start because you picked Texas to win. So you were out from like the immediate, <laughs> from the immediate jump. <laughs> I'm actually in fifth place. I'll take that right now. Yeah, I'll take second. If I can finish second, like, that, yeah. that'd be good. I'll, I'll get my money back on my on my entry fee for this. So that'd be I great. mean, I, yeah, you got Gonzaga winning it all, so do I. I mean, I'm two for four in the final four, so 50% is pretty good. That was close. If Alabama wouldn't have shit the bed, you know, I would have. Yeah. Michigan. You're one point ahead of me. And I have I Baylor in the championship. Which so they, they will get to the championship. Game. I am going to no whoop way. your ass. How about the yeah. Pac-12 team showing up, Dan? That's right. You're goddamn right. I would like to point Pac-12 out that 12 rules, Big Ten <laughs> rules. I'd like to point out that I am drinking a Budweiser tonight. I thought it was like appropriate because that's usually what I drink when we're at Chide Health. So I'm drinking a Budweiser. Blake is Support also local. drinking a Budweiser, but it's Budweiser Zero. And uh, yeah, we support local, but I'm also from St. Louis. So this technically is local for me. So like my language, I have an I'm off color. <laughs> I feel like Budweiser know. is kind of local since I feel like Missouri uses our water since we send it down. Yeah. To yeah. them in the same river. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, I'm that's Missouri, sure not the Mississippi. Mississippi. 
I so you know it's close. It's, it is close to here. So fuck. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's dig in, guys. I mean, Creighton got their ass kicked by Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. I mean, I think we all kind of knew this was gonna happen. You know, I mean, for me at least, when I saw Creighton's name pop up shortly after Gonzaga was announced as that top seed in the tournament, I was like, for the love of God, do not put us right there. And what do you know? It happened. We got put in the same bracket, you know, in the same region, you know, on the same side of the bracket, which which really sucks. I mean, I, I think we all kind of knew that the Sweet 16 would likely be as far as these dudes got. I mean, but you can, I mean, going into this game, I mean, they definitely there was definitely a path to victory and they kept saying this on 1620. And um, I think Ravi Lula and Matt DeMarinas did a great job on the pregame kind of talking about this. There was a path pathway to victory. There totally was. Um, If they hit a bunch of shots and they come out really crisp on the offensive end, they had a shot to, you know, keep this game close, you know, into the latter part of the second half and maybe steal a victory. And they, there was, there was not a chance that was going to happen after the first half. Um, I mean, we talked about on the last podcast, but Creighton just did not play well enough. I thought they had some good looks offensively, but ultimately Gonzaga was just too much. And I think we all knew that was going to be the case. I mean, and like, like I said, like we mentioned on the last podcast, it's going to take a really special effort to knock this Gonzaga team off. I mean, honestly, like, I don't think they're going to lose another game in this tournament. I think they are going to win the whole damn thing as most others do. And like most others in, uh, in our bracket have picked, but um, you know, I really don't think Creighton played their best game. It wasn't even close. I mean, I wanted it to be close, like 10 points at the end close, but they just, they weren't shooting well enough and doing the things that you needed to do to win an elite game like this. They didn't look particularly inspired either. I thought Gonzaga got a ton of, of easy bunnies there in the first half that just were about almost wide open there, or there was a defensive miscue or somebody wasn't, you know, wasn't hitting that spot when they needed to, you know, hit their help spot. But remember elite team, you need an elite effort to beat someone like this. And it just Creighton wasn't even close. Yeah. And you know, what you need to do to win games is score points. And what helps you lose games is getting into foul trouble and Bishop. Yeah. Getting into foul triple with him, yeah, absolutely did not help. Um, the score wasn't close in the second half, and, you know, Gonzaga blew the fucking game wide open. I mean, they had a 27-point advantage before calling the dogs off, so, ah! you know, yeah, to get, get into <laughs> that's, this. That's a pretty that's a pretty good uh, explanation of, uh, of how that game kind of fell. I mean, Creighton used that defensive strategy you know of taking their top three scores out of the game and it didn't go according to plan you know timmy suggs and kispert they're all part of that plan obviously and creighton you know as history usually dictates with this team when they take one thing away somebody either has a career night or something like that or somebody you know the other role players come out and just play out of their minds and that was absolutely the case joel ie and andrew nembard combined for 21 points in that first half and then 30 overall in the game and ie really filled it up from long range in the first half i mean if you were looking for that game plan to work you look at the first half and it was like, holy shit, this is blowing up in our face because they were hitting shots left and right. I mean, that's the kind of shit, like I said, that's the kind of shit that happens to Creighton all the time. I mean, take away one another has a career night of some sorts or their, their role player who, you know, averages, you know, like 10 points a game or six points a game goes off for like 30 or something like that. It's just, it, it, it's all too familiar, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but the Blue Jays finished 
five of 23 from three point range and four of eight from the free throw line. So, I mean, that's, that's not going to get it done against an elite opponent. No. You know, it's, it's just not, um, that's just it. They got smacked. And I, I look, I think we all knew all along, this was going to be an uphill battle and, um, you know, we just didn't have it. All I have to say is after seeing Gonzaga beat down USC, I felt like we played pretty well. USC is a legit game. Like they're a legit team. That was going to be a legit game. Like I thought, okay, if anyone USC could do it, they were surging. They, you know, beat Oregon who also looked pretty good. Um, But so for me, I think it looked like after Gonzaga just destroyed USC, which was a similar score. I thought we played pretty well. You know, Gonzaga's just, you know, they're that good. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I essentially think we got beat by the same amount. And, you know, I mean, we were we were down by 30 in that game, you know, and so was mm-hmm. USC. So, I mean, I don't I don't see the parallel. You know, I don't I, I think, you know, the final score may indicate that, like, we might have hung around maybe a little a bit longer than we did, but it wasn't close. That game, well, I mean, was, that game was never close. Yeah. Well, I mean, even look at the first half, what they finished halftime at. A 10, 10 point points. deficit. That's, so, and in my eyes, that I mean, you're there, but you're not like, yeah, there's them, a, that's like gl- a mile, that's like a mile away. You know? Yeah, glimmer of hope, but yeah, you got to put in work. Otherwise, that 10 is going to get out of reach. And unfortunately, yeah. that's exactly what happened. So, my question is, what do you guys think UCLA needs to do? And after they get past UCLA, um, what does Baylor or Houston, or Houston need to do? Because, I mean, I think Baylor I, plays slow, anyways. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I really don't. I mean, this team is just so fucking deep, dude. I mean, like even I, the, you know, a note that I had too, yeah. is that Nembard ended up with 17 on seven of nine shooting, you know, and that was a huge part of their success that night. So even if one of them aren't doing it, somebody else is going to pick it up. And yeah, we tried mm-hmm. to take away Timmy Suggs and, uh, even um, off the bench man and Kispert. I mean, and he still had 22 points. So yeah. I, I really don't know. I don't like there was a discussion this week too about like, hey, this is like maybe like a once in a decade type of team. You know what I mean? This is one of the best teams that at, since they have had since you could skip college and go to pro, honestly. Yeah. But UCLA has a chance if they bring back Westbrook. Right. Sure. About it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy because. I, I don't think their they, their dominance reminds me of a that of a like early 2010s era like Kentucky team, you know what I mean? But I don't think they're as good, you know. I think they have a lot better pieces, but you know, I I, I don't think anybody's going to beat them. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm I'm not trying to say they're the best team of the decade. They might be one of the best. I mean, you can't deny them that they haven't lost a game this season. If they win the championship. They're gonna go down as one of the best teams in college basketball history, probably. Could, so could you everyone say, keeps doubting them, and they keep swatting teams down. Yeah, so, yeah. Could I you mean, say, if they they stomp these next two games like by fifteen to twenty, and just have them at a arm's length the whole time? I don't know. I I would hope people's uh, tunes would change, but the, I mean, they're still getting crapped on for playing out in uh, uh, the West Coast Conference. Yeah. It's like, hey. Their, their stats are better um, in the tournament than they are in conference, conference. play. Yeah. Would, could you, so maybe not the best college team, you know, not ever, but in the last decade, maybe that's up for discussion. What about maybe the best Gonzaga team? 
Oh, oh yeah. Sure. Oh, but yeah, hands down. I mean, I they've agree. had some really, really good teams, but this is this is more of a complete team than I think I've seen in the past 10 years for sure. You know, across yeah. the NCAA board, they are a complete team. So and it's a great combination of NBA level young talent plus elder statesmen with established within the program. And it works really well. And look, they're, they're going to they're gonna be a force for years to come. They have mm-hmm. dudes on their bench that are top 100 prospects, transfers from other schools that are just waiting to get their turn, you know? Yeah. So, and nabbing a guy right out of our backyard. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, and they, yeah, you got, got 100 salads from fucking Miller North heading up to the Zags, which was, you know, I mean, I don't think, I, I know Creighton was in the top four, but, you know, we had Alex Caramanos um, from the circuit on the podcast a couple weeks back, and he was like, Gonzaga, it's going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's going to happen. It's Gonzaga. Don't get your hopes up. So from that moment, I was just like, fuck it. We're not getting him. <laughs> like, it's okay. But uh, I mean, yeah, it still, it still hurts that we didn't get him. But I mean, they are going to be, Gonzaga is going to be a force for a long, long time. You know, like this is not yeah. going to be like a one-year thing. It's not, it's never a one-year thing. They've been in the Sweet 16, like no. how many years in a row now? Like, wasn't it like? 22. Uh, 22, Brock? Was it 22? I don't think it was 22. It was like seven or something at least. Seven feels like 22. Base. I, I don't know. It was some ridiculous number. I have to fact check that before the end of the episode. But yeah, but just, just a crazy think, run. I think another thing too, like they win. I mean, their recruiting's already strong, but they win this championship. I mean, gosh, recruiting yeah. be cake for them. And like you said, they will be a force to be reckoned with for a while. Yeah. Exciting well, too. Yeah. It's honestly exciting because because I'm tired of seeing, you know, uh, an SEC team or a Big 12 team, you know, yeah. uh, the bigger conferences. I'd rather see, you know, uh, uh, not. So are you saying you don't want five. Kansas to win, Blake? You don't want Kansas to win a national championship? That's right. That's not- Screw <laughs> KU. Let's give for it to those, a team that deserves those of you who don't, Yeah, for those of you who don't listen to the podcast, Blake, I have to feel like I have to explain this because we have so many new viewers like each time we have one of these episodes, but Blake yeah, is fine. a Kansas fan. <laughs> that's the joke. So mm-hmm. just a little context mm-hmm. for you. No, I am not saying that. I'm saying it'd be fun if an, another team does well. I didn't say that. I didn't want the Big 12 schools yeah, to win no, championships. Because <laughs> honestly, I picked Gonzaga to win, but I definitely want Baylor to take a stab at it. Right. They, I mean, this is their first Final Four since 1950. Right. So, all right. Well, let's let's open this up for quick discussion here. I mean, expectations for this year, I guys, I I want to know. We'll we'll just go through one by one here and just kind of get some different perspectives on this question. But, I mean, did this season and and game, you know, against Gonzaga, you know, meet your expectations? We'll I'll go one at a time. Have something original to say here. Don't just agree with the last person. You got to be original here. Um, I'll, I'll go first. But I mean, for me, yes. I mean, it's just really tough that we got matched up with Gonzaga straight up. I mean, that's a killer. I mean, I remember and I was talking to my girlfriend about this earlier today. I was like, yeah, we're doing the podcast and we're talking about expectations, you know, where they met for this season. She's like, uh, I remember seeing you on the couch, you know, on Selection Sunday. You were like, oh, Gonzaga, I hope Creighton doesn't get placed right there. And boom, it happened. I mean, that that's kind of that's it's it's a huge, huge just punch in the gut, you know, but like if we had the same path as Houston to the final four, I think we're there too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and we said it all along. March is all about matchups. Houston got a really fav- favorable matchup there and we just didn't, you know, I mean, it's, 
It's, it's it's really hard to take away anything from this team, though, because they have officially brought this program to a new level. So I, I can't get lost in the shuffle here. You know, it's our first Sweet 16. That's a huge accomplishment. And I mean, personally, I'm really optimistic about the future, even with McDermott's comments. You know, I, I still think there is reason for optimism, uh, you know, around the program. I think, you know, this was a turning point for Creighton basketball in my mind. You know, things have been trending really well here the last 10 years. Um you know, but I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, I, I think we go up and that's just me, but I mean, with or without Greg McDermott, you know, and that's a whole nother conversation to have. Um, I mean, this program is going to be elite from now on, you know, and it wasn't just this season when they became elite either. I mean, they really have been good the last five seasons, you know, and they've had a lot of really good players that have come through here the last five years. And I mean, this is where we should be. And I'm happy we're finally here. I mean, but let's maintain it now. But you got to give credit to these guys. I'll never forget this season. I mean, watching every game from home, annoying my neighbors with my screaming at the TV, starting this podcast, I mean, and really just having a good time doing it, you know, the entire way. I mean, the season was a lot of fun. It was different. It was a little bit out of all of our comfort zones. Um, but, you know, we finally we finally hit that. Um, we finally hit that goal. You know, we got to the Sweet 16 and this team should be revered for that. And they should really be proud of themselves. So that's all I got. Dan? The tournament's a good indicator of uh, how uh, how uh, good of a team you are, but I wouldn't say it's a great indicator. Um, I love to shit all over the Big Ten just because it's, you know, people want to hype it up like it's SEC football or something like that. And, yeah, they underperformed, but it's still a good conference. And, you know, I mean, being unbiased. But, you know, Creighton – they finally did it. People want to crap all over them. Oh, you beat Ohio. Oh, you beat UC Santa Barbara. Well, guess what? They've lost to Central Michigan before. They've lost to, you know, uh, Rhode Island before. They finally beat the teams and did the things they needed to do to get the chip off the shoulder. It's not a thing. It validates everything we've done in the Big East. And honestly, as this group's biggest accomplishment, I would argue that the winning the Big East last year was – more impressive but hey we did it and we don't have to listen to anybody else say that i'm sure plenty of people will still give us crap about it but you know what it's it's something that's on our resume and we'll be able to build on it in the future hopefully and uh you know with the way recruiting was trending before the whole mac stuff came out you, I mean, everyone was looking really optimistic. Even last year before Marcus got hurt, you know, people were looking at that team like, hey, they got a shot to go to the final four. And like you mentioned, it's about matchups. So did we have some good matchups early? Yep. But anyone who's running into Gonzaga this year is running into a buzzsaw. So we did what we could. I'm not going to be disappointed because at the end of the day, Sweet 16 was the only goal that mattered for this group this year mission accomplished. Yeah. And I mean, dude, honestly, they get matched up in a different part of this bracket and like Houston, they could be right there too. So for sure. I mean, they could definitely win those games. I got into some spat with some idiot um, who was talking about, uh, I was so, making you know, on one Twitter? of my big Ten jokes and he was talking about how great Florida state was. And I was like, no, they didn't show up. Oh, well, Florida state's brother than Creighton. I think he just wanted to piss me off. That I'm like, 
I don't care. Florida State's a good team too. Maybe they're better than Creighton, but they didn't play, and it doesn't it doesn't fucking matter. Actually, so, I, I, th- I, mean, I think Creighton's better than Florida State, to be personally honest. Like just just from my perspective. Either I mean, the bottom line is they're both out. I don't care, but <laughs> matchups matchups matter. And yeah, for real. You know what? They didn't get the best draw, but they they made do with what they had, and they hung around with Gonzaga for a half and and Gonzaga pulled away. And I don't think anyone was shocked by that. No. Blake. Yeah. Um, did we meet expectations? I honestly think not only do we meet, but we succeeded in those expectations. I mean, the sweet 16. Yeah. Just a cherry on top, man. Um, <laughs> such a, I mean, you look back to last season, it was just so exciting. We got to watch most of those, you know, pretty much every game that season until obviously COVID, which all we do is fucking talk about that. But to to have that happen and be such a strong team, I mean, all I bet all they did was live and breathe and eat, you know, just ready for the next season. And they came out there and they balled up and it was a good season. Yeah, there were some tough games, but – getting in the tournament and a lot of people, it's like you guys have said, doubted them, you know, um, it's, most people didn't even think they'd make it out of that first round. They did. I mean, getting to the sweet 16. Yeah. That meets expectations, but it's above those expectations too. And it's something really to be proud of. I mean, they never gotten that far before and they, maybe they didn't give it their best, but they, they, they came to play. They showed up for as long as they could. It's just Gonzaga is just an unstoppable force. All right, Brock. Let's hear That's your take. That's all I had to did, say. Yeah did did we did we meet expectations here for you at least? So over the last four years, um, Creighton has exceeded expectations from everyone. And um, my opinion, they exceeded expectations again. You know, this is this is COVID, and you know this tournament was like, unlike any other. And I mean, for them to make it to the sweet 16 after being cooped up in like a hotel room and just practicing and just like staying away from people, like making the sweet 16 on top of that, it doesn't matter who they played, you know, they won the, the teams won, they move on. And that's all you have to do survive in advance. It doesn't matter if you win by 20 or win by one, a win's a win, a loss is a loss. Damn so right. for me, they, for me, they exceeded expectations again. And so next year, let's make it five years in a row where we exceed expectations. The Big East will probably put us finishing in eighth. And what will we do? Probably finish third, second, or first. Who knows? Watch we finish first. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> it'd be so funny. I, I'd be awesome, but it would also be funny. Um, oh, man. But the only thing I have to say is ifs and buts. If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. So I'm not going to ifs, ands, or buts, nothing. We exceeded expectations. We made the Sweet 16. I'm gonna go to Lawler's and buy a shirt. There you go. I gotta say. There you go. All right. Well, mine's in the mail. (laughs) Well, shit, guys. All right. Well, we're on the opposite side of the season here, so let's talk about um, who leaves, who stays, and uh, a lineup for next year. I mean, here we are. I mean, we're in the postseason, so we can really officially start to talk about our roster for next year. So quickly before we dig in, just a couple dates to kind of like mark 
you know, in your mind for this off season, as we kind of approach like some of these deadlines, uh, April 15th is national signing day, which is where incomers sign and get ready for the next season. So all of our incoming recruits will sign a letter of intent. That means they'll come May 30th is the declare for the draft date. So this is where we'll find out the fate of at least Marcus Agarowski, or at least figure out the start of it. Um, the combine is uh, June 21st to the 27th. Um, we'll watch Marcus Agarowski, I assume, perform alongside DJ Denzel, possibly Mitch. Uh, not really sure what his plans are, but um, you know. And then the NCAA withdrawal period is July 7th, so that is going to be a big date. Anything before that date, we'll we'll definitely be updating you in our monthly updates postseason because we're going to go down to monthly. <laughs> we'll go down to monthly updates after after this episode, but uh, we'll be following up on all that. So that's on July 7th. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, drink responsibly is what Dan is saying right now on our zoom call. I don't know why am I, are we all drunk yet? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm out of beer. So I've been drunk for three years. <laughs> okay. Okay. But uh, all right, guys. Uh, I mean, what do you, what do we think about all of these players? I mean, let's just get a straw poll for each. I mean, guys, do you think Marcus Zagorowski is coming back or not? Just, just give a, just give a yes or no. Just gauge where everybody's at. Marcus Zagorowski. Yes or no. He gone. Oh, no, gone. He's gone. Yep. I think, I think he's gone too. Um, and let me make it clear. He has gone to the draft. He is not transferring. Yeah, right. Yeah. And what Dan is referencing, there was some weird drama today on Twitter from some Kentucky and Kansas uh, college basketball uh, message boards saying that Marcus Zagorowski from a reliable source on the Kentucky side said that they they heard that Marcus was going to be entering the transfer portal, which is if you pay attention to Creighton at all is, you you know, that's complete shit. (laughs) You know, that would never happen. Uh, Marcus has been extremely vocal about how coming to Creighton has been, you know, the best decision of his life. And he loves coach Mac. And even after all this, this season, he's still, he's still a Creighton, uh, a Creighton dude at heart. So, I mean, weird weird little off season you know <laughs> 24 hour story here but uh all right well i mean let's i mean we have some eligibility flexibility for some of these uh, for some of these dudes on our roster right now you know potentially dj damian and mitch could all come back for another uh, another year if they wanted to play but i mean let's just go through and be realistic about all of these i mean dj i mean what do you guys think i don't think he's coming back i think damian and dj both are probably gone um, I just, I think, I mean, they already tested the NBA waters last year. So I think they're, I mean, to me, they're there. It's an obvious we're gone. We've lost that love and feeling. All seniors are gone, gone, gone. Yeah. Yeah. I think that out of the three seniors that would come back, I think Mitch would be the one to expect, but I also don't think that's going to happen. I think that's just high hopes. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's more is the most likely scenario, but yeah, I, you're on the fence with it. I hear you. Um, I think they're seniors. I mean, they're getting their degrees, they're getting, you know, their things, and they're gonna move on. I mean, they put their time in, and they're gonna, they're gonna do what's best for them, and what's best for all three of them is probably just move on. I'd like to see all three of them come back, you know, yeah. but you know. Yeah. Hold on one second, guys. Yo, I knew it. I fucking called it. 
Get some news. Do we have yep. breaking news? We do. What the fuck? Christian Bishop is gone. What the fuck? I told you, dude. I told you. Transfer portal? Yep. So, yeah, we had to take a little bit of a break there because I got, you know, I obviously have my Twitter up here and I kind of see things as they roll by as we kind of do these just to kind of see if there's any breaking news. And it paid off. We just kind of learned that in the middle of this podcast that Christian Bishop has decided to transfer. So as we're talking about all of this, you know, this is how fast things change in the college basketball world. Very crazy. Um, You know, this this and we'll just kind of talk about this one, just a little bit of a raw reaction. But um this this is something that I had been thinking about for weeks. Since Max Plantation comments, um, I could sense you could get the vibe and the energy had changed on the team. Um, <clears throat> I think they decided to play through the season because they wanted to accomplish their goals. Uh, but you could tell I think there was a little bit of an energy shift on that team. And I think the two players that I think had the biggest um, change in energy were Damian – or I'm sorry <laughs> – Tenzel Mahoney and Christian Bishop. I think Christian Bishop really had a hard time with this. And you have to respect that. You know, I mean, you have got to put all the respect on his plate to say, okay, man, I totally get this. Like he's had a hard time this year. This was, this was a really raw time for everybody in this program these last couple of weeks. Um, And I think this really kind of speaks to where this locker room was, um, you know, the last couple of weeks. You know, I, I don't I, it's not to say that Christian completely gave up on the team because I don't think that was the case at all. He played out of his mind in the tournament. Um, but yeah, man. Wow. <laughs> you know, you're getting a you're getting a real raw reaction here, I think, from all of us. Um, crazy. You know, I mean, we're there's one thing that, you know, somebody pointed out to me on Twitter already is we're going to have five new starters for next year. You know, I mean, that's 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 just it. I oh, mean, yeah. it's crazy, crazy to think about. Um, it's going to be a rebuilding year <laughs> for sure. Um, I think, you know, my, my, you know, keeping Christian Bishop was going to be a huge part of what we were going to be able to do next year. Um, and now that he's gone, um, Ryan Kalkbrenner can step up, uh, but you have got to really feel bad about that because the Christian was going to be in his senior year. I mean, all he had to do was add a jump shot into his portfolio, and that kid was a near complete player. Um, man, I mean, what do you guys think? <laughs> this is—I well, I mean, don't, I don't think we never had breaking news during a podcast taping before. No, this kind of, this no, kind of, kind of speechless, kind of speechless. Honestly, um, haven't fully processed it. So, I mean, it. it, it it's his decision and it's fine and I'm happy for him. I mean, you know, best of luck going where you go, Christian, but uh, it does make things interesting for next season. And I think it's a good topic of uh, discussion right now for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only thing I can really think about is, you know, he needs to make a decision that's right for him. Not, not right, not right for anyone else. And obviously he feels like, Putting himself in the transfer portal is going to be a good decision for him. So we have to respect his decision. Um, but my main question is now that he's gone, what are we going to do? Are we going to go into the transfer portal as well and try and grab a veteran division one basketball player? 
or are we going to um, just run with um, the young guns and be like, you know what, it's a rebuilding year. Let's get some experience on these guys so we can um, improve on the following years. Like that's kind of, you know, he's kind of, you know, he, he was the glue for this tournament. Like DJ was the glue for the season, the, the glue player for the season. Christian was the glue for this tournament. He made big plays when they need to be made and his energy was off the charts. So yeah, he'll be missed for sure. Yeah. I mean, whoever gets him is going to get a hell of a player, you know? I mean, I cannot, I can't even fathom to be, to understand where he is going to end up, but I know he's going to end up somewhere good. You know, I love Christian's energy, his ability to attack to the rim. And the only thing he's missing to go to the next level is getting a legit jumper. I mean, preferably from three point range, but um, if he does that, God, the sky's the limit for the guy. I wish him nothing but the best, but uh, honestly, the news makes my stomach churn because uh, you, I, I expected Marcus to go because Marcus has that ability. Uh, the fact that Christian's leaving when he would have so many minutes available to him, uh, it just it fills me with dread because it tells me there's plenty of unresolved issues. And we've already seen the tie tie decommit. And just because Christian's leaving, that doesn't mean we haven't seen the end of any departures. So um, it's going to be kind of on pins and needles here for the next uh, foreseeable future. So I, I, my question is, are how long, how long is this going to go on for where we see people that are leaving and, also our ability to recruit because yeah. that is um, after we finally did it, we reached the sweet 16. We did what we wanted to do. We're in the big East. We've got potential to finally be like, Hey, we're going to be a consistent contender. And now it's like, we're taking a giant step backwards. So I, I just want to know, how long the bleeding is going to last pretty yeah, much. Yeah, I hear and I hear you Dan. I mean this, you know, this is obviously the start of it and possibly not the end of it. So yeah, it's going to be a long road ahead. And it's even more frustrating too when we, I don't know. I'm not saying it's the right decision to have to let go of Mac or something like that, but if we can't recruit, we can't retain players that's going to be have to be a serious discussion in the next year or two if we're having a problem getting players in here. Um, you know, especially when we, we had this year when uh, Porter Mosier and Darren DeVries were, are thriving and we know, like, hey, those are two great guys that could have a legitimate shot here. I'm not saying that should happen. I don't want that to happen. I'm not calling for Max Head. But I'm just saying, uh, from a yeah. pure basketball standpoint, if if there's a drain on this program, how how much is going to happen before we stop it? You know, so that we're not to- rebuilding for years to come. Right. Yeah, I think that's the ultimate question, man. I mean, 
like you said, how long is the bleeding going to last? I mean, words have consequences. That that is the hard truth that I think we all need to face right now. Because oh I no mean, no no, I've heard sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Right? No. Yeah, it's that's yeah, it's such a it's such a untrue thing because words matter. You know, like it's yeah. I mean, I I, I was brought up the same way. I mean, my grandma used to my grandma used to say that to me all the time, and I. I it does not it it doesn't hold the same weight when you grow up <laughs> you know what i mean like no. words words fucking matter you know and, and they do and and uh, just a deflating piece of news you know and and i you know it's you certainly don't want to call for the man's job but you're right dan if he's not able to retain talent and um you know keep the program at this level that we now expect it to be at that's a that's a that's a whole nother conversation that needs to be had, you know. And and I think we'll learn a lot about that over the next couple of weeks. And dude, you never want to call for somebody's job, you know what I mean? You never want to be like, yeah, that guy needs to be fired. I think I was really loose about that, like a, a couple of years ago, and then like I got like a real job in the real world, and I was like, yeah, maybe maybe saying someone should be fired probably not like the best thing, but you know, if if a if a change in leadership needs to take place, that's what has to happen, you know. It's just the way it is. You know, but I mean, look, when when somebody walks away from the program like that, you know, there's just another opportunity for someone to come in and kill it. You know, as as much as you hate to see Christian Bishop walk away and we're all losing not only a a really good player, but a really good dude. He's a really good kid. Um, But, you know, we got Ryan Kalkbrenner. He's ready to step up, you know, next man up. And I, I mean, I hope to Jesus we don't see any other transfers. And we'll, I think this offseason is going to say a lot about the state of this program after the season. Um, you know, with Ty Ty leaving, you know, he wasn't even in the program yet, so that didn't hurt as much. But, you know, with something, you know, with something like Christian Bishop, you know, leaving after just a, a handful of days after our last game, I mean, that, that says quite a bit. We also have to talk about the the culture of Jay's basketball is all in. If you're not all in, you know, then you're not going to be in the system that's working right now. And so if your head's not in the right frame of mind, if you don't feel like you can play under coach Mac, you know, that's, that's their decision that they're going to have to make, you know, and it's, you know, you have to respect that decision. So if we get players coming in that want to play for coach Mac, you know, it might not be the top recruit talent, but at least everyone's all in and they all have a consensus that this is the coach they want to coach or be a player for. So, yeah. And I guess the thing to watch over the next couple of weeks as this all kind of unfolds and if we see if any other players decide to transfer, I mean, look at how that class for this year, the incoming class for 2021 stays intact because that is going to say a lot about the state and the future of Creighton basketball. And I look, you can say, Hey, we can hit the transfer portal just, just as hard as every other team is doing. Yeah, that's, that's great. But you are not going to probably find someone that's going to be able to make an immediate impact like Christian Bishop would have. So yep. next, next couple seasons are going to be, I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest. Next season is going to be rough. Like next season is not going to be, you know, we, we've been on this two-year high, and it's kind of crazy to think about where we were and where we're going. Because you know, I'm still optimistic. If you know, if if this class stays intact for 
you know, the rest of this class that we have stays intact. I, I, you know, I think Ryan Nembard's really good. I think Mason Miller's really good. And I think John Christophilus is also really good. Uh, I think we're adding a ton of really good pieces into a team where we could, you know, collect some transfers and, um, you know, we still got a ton of talent on that bench too. So, um, it, it really just depends on if we lose anybody else, you know, and if anybody else decides to jump ship and I think we're going to have some real problems and then, yeah, maybe you talk about, maybe you talk about McDermott and you know, what his role is with the program in the future. You know, if, if he, if he can't gain the confidence of the team, is he ever going to be able to gain confidence of, of any players? You know, I mean, this, I think this next couple of weeks are going to say a lot about, about, about that. So Raw reaction. You're getting a, you're getting it live here. We're gonna post this tomorrow morning, so I guess it's not really gonna be live, but um, it happened in real time. So you know, I thought maybe getting the the rapid reaction was a good thing. But I think we're gonna be playing some "Everybody Hurts" in the background. Yeah, maybe that's what I'll try to put in. <laughs> yeah, cue, cue the REM. Oh man. Well, before we move into this next ses- segment, I just want to say, I mean, best of luck to Christian Bishop. You know, we certainly wish him all of the best in the future. He's a great kid. Like I said, he's a good dude. He's got a great family, a family that really cares about him and a family that I'm sure he really consulted with about this decision. And, um, Hey man, do what's best for you. And, you know, Jay's fans will always, always have your back and we'll always be rooting for you unless you're rooting against us or <laughs> playing against us. Then we can't, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's just talk about, you know, improvements for some of the players next year. Let's talk next year. What we got, what, what could be coming in? Cause you know, some of those players that sat on the bench, obviously they need to improve a bit for next year in some areas, but I mean, as yeah, I do each off season, but I, yeah. Let's I mean, since, since we have to talk about, you know, replacing <laughs> every pretty much everybody in our starting lineup, we're going to have to we're, yeah. this discussion could go on for a while. Yeah, I mean, the first person I'd say, you know, let's focus on is Sharif. So, Brock, you got some insight on that. What 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 do you what do you got as the action plan for Sharif next season? So Sharif just needs to do one thing, and that's finish at the rim. He has the defense. He has the moves. And. He just needs to work on getting the basket, the ball into the basket. I mean, it's as simple as that. He makes great moves. He makes great decisions. And at the end of the day, he just sometimes just doesn't finish. Whereas with like Marcus Zagorowski, I mean, he finishes. That's like his thing, you know? So, and, you know, I feel like Sharif will get to that point, especially the more and more he plays. So the first couple of, you know, games at the beginning of the season, he's going to probably struggle at finishing. But then once he gets the angles down and everything like that, he has the talent. He reminds me of Kyrie Thomas with the fact of how well his defense is. I think his defense is better than Kyrie Thomas was coming yeah, I into know. it. Yeah, I, think, um, I mean, if he keeps working, I mean, we've only seen two seasons. I think Kyrie was an elite offensive player from like his way, way sooner than Sharif was. But yeah, I mean, you for mean F- def- defensive or offensive? Both. Oh, okay. I mean, I think Kyrie's game offensively and defensively yeah. was better than Sharif's. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, I was going to say that's that's a lofty comparison. Kyrie, Kyrie yeah. was Kyrie was a, a, a crazy, crazy good on both ends of the floor. I think I like... the biggest thing about Sharif is that he needs to learn more about controlled chaos, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, and, I, yeah. I, I see a little bit of, you know, in his first year, you know, or actually a little bit bigger uh, comparison would be like first year Mo Watson. Um, 
I mean, it's hard to compare other players to other players because they're their own player, but where sometimes he just doesn't really know where he's going. Mo Mo learned his spots, you know, I think he needs to do the same thing, but also if he can get some consistency in his three point shot, I mean, watch out ladies and gentlemen. I mean, because he'll, he'll be really hard to guard because you know, he showed us this year alone. He can really attack at the rim. I mean, that's huge. That's what Creighton needs. So. No, and he, he was getting better towards the end of that. We saw more of that three point ability. I, the, the way I like to compare him to Kyrie or even I think Damian Jefferson is a great example is his uh, trajectory of progression. Like we, you see a little bit of potential, but he adds something a little bit more every year. The big component next year is going to be leadership. Like mm. if he decides to stay, because if he doesn't stay, if he's that next domino to fall, I am going to crawl up in a fetal position and cry myself to sleep. But if he doesn't, this is going to be, his team this is his opportunity this one. is his chance yeah yeah he's gonna have to set the tone i'm spaghetti everyone else on the team so i i mean i think he's capable of it i i'm excited to see if he can do it but uh uh man i just hope he is back also quick side note i forgot in the expectations i wanted to give a shout out to damian jefferson because from where he is where he started from where he has been, he was the heartbeat of this team this year. I mean, Mr. Energy, if you want to say, but he exceeded all expectations. I think we were kind of expecting that out of Denzel to be that guy, but Damien would, you know, we'd have our stretches when we couldn't get a bucket and he would take it to the rack. Or, I mean, even his release from three, I mean, he used to have this hitch in his shot and it's just been so much quicker and, I, I just uh, – I'm so happy for the guy that he developed the way he did. But anyways, Sharif, very important. Really hope he stays. Yeah, I think it's – I think, yeah, his the, the point about him being able to get a little consistency in his three-point shot I think is, is probably top of mind for this offseason. If he can kind of get some consistency there, man, like Blake said, watch out because he is going to be – extremely tough to guard on the offensive end. I really think he found himself, you know, in terms of like playing towards the rim towards the end of the season. So, you know, I, he, I think his confidence grew over the season too. So I hope he takes a big jump over this summer and yeah, I hope he, uh, I hope he really, you know, comes back ready to play next season. Cause he's going to have a huge opportunity to play probably the biggest role in this team. So, I mean, what about Ryan Kalkbrenner? I mean, what do you see from him, from him, you guys? I mean, he obviously, for me, he needs to like obviously put on some more muscle onto yeah. his frame. I mean, I, I just don't think he had it, you know, the last half of the season. You know, I mean, like against Timmy this weekend. I mean, he had some good energy, but he just couldn't compete. And I think he was a lot more aggressive this weekend than he has been the last couple of weeks. But I think adding some muscle onto his body will really get him headed in the right direction with his confidence. Um, because he hasn't looked extremely confident out there, you know, and I, I had really high expectations for him all season. Like I knew he would probably take a dip some point in conference play, but just because it's a lot more competitive than like the first stretch of games that we had. But, you know, I look to him to be one of the most improved players for next year, you know, keep working on that jump shot a little bit, develop it. You know, he's, he's really good already with his footwork. So, you know, keep working on that back to the basket game and he really could, um, you know, he really could take a big jump over this offseason, too, if he if he wants to. 
Yeah, I mean, minutes is what it's going to come down to. And then every minute he has, he's got to grind it out and prove himself, honestly, a little bit too. But I agree with the muscle. He's got to beef up a little bit. But um, well, yeah, I, I mean, mean, I the, I think that to, to your point about minutes, I don't think it's even going to matter because they're not going to have anyone <laughs> yeah. at that position. So yeah, <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. he's gone. He's starting. You know, that's that's well, his job yeah. next year. If at, I don't know who else would take it. The I mean, Epperson's not coming back. I, I, I want to see the aggression there. I want to see him finish strong at the rim. I mean, we've seen a little bit on the defensive side of him with the shot blocking potential, but I don't want to see him. Uh, you know, I want to see uh freaking cool runnings. I want a bad mother who doesn't take no lip from nobody is what I want to see out of Kalk because I mean, we've got to have, we got to have something and he's going to be the anchor. Uh, conditioning. I don't know if you noticed this, but I, know, I get it. He's seven foot. That's a lot of it's a lot of mass to move up and down the basketball court, but he looked like he was struggling this tournament on just getting from one side to the other. So I feel like conditioning and building that mass with the conditioning because the the heavier you get, the harder it is to run. And so he's just going to have to put in, you know, the time and the minutes of, you know, getting built up and also the conditioning and playing at a division one level. I mean, you have to realize he is a freshman, you know, he's a boy playing among men. And so he just needs to work on that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, man. I mean, uh, one or two more players transfer out and I mean, we're really going to have some issues, you know, I mean, if Ryan hopefully won't transfer out so we can kind of solidify him there, but um, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be some opportunities for some dudes and, you know, I mean, the opportunities here for Antoine Jones and Alex O'Connell, you know, if they decide to stay, I mean, I highly doubt Alex O'Connell leaves at this point because I mean, he's, you know, he's got that extra year of eligibility. Um, you know, he hasn't even played his year technically for Creighton yet. So, um, he could end up transferring Antoine Jones could as well. I mean, he's got three years of eligibility left, so. I mean, but what, I mean, I guess we don't even really need to talk about what they do need to do to become starters next year, because I think they are, you know, I think they are starting, you know, with the departure of Christian Bishop and everybody else. I mean, I think Antoine and O'Connell are definitely in that starting five. Don't you think Dan? Um, For sure. Yeah, you know, no. I mean, and, you look at, you look at against... Sharif and Roddy and then maybe Antoine Jones and O'Connell and then Ryan Kalkbrenner, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, I think those are going to be, we're not going to have many other options. Yeah. You know, I mean, as far as we know at this point, I mean, yeah. there's about what a thousand people in the transfer portal. So maybe we pull something, but you know, I was, I was kind of scouring blue Jay underground today just to see, and all the top options like, Oh, this would be a great fit. Not interested. This would be a great fit. Not interested. So on and so forth. Oh, this, there might be this division two guy that would fit us. So I don't, and the, and the thing with division two guys is we've tried that before and it's never, I mean, it worked with Devin Brooks and that was, that's been about it. You know, everybody else has kind of transferred out. I mean, yeah, I can't, kind of I don't, I rem- yeah, I don't remember another player from, and that's no, that's no offense to division two players. Look, man, like everybody wants to play, everybody gets their shot, but like, you know, when you're trying to replace elite NCAA division one players, I mean, sometimes the division two options just aren't, you know, and that, like I said, it's no knock to them. It's just, there's a big talent gap you know yeah um yeah 100 but uh man i mean wow guys <laughs> this this podcast is really taking a turn here i, I can't stop <laughs> thinking about the christian bishop news guys i really can't i mean it kind of changes the whole dynamic of of what we thought this offseason was going to be you know and, and look i think we were bound to have a couple transfers i just 
you know, when I heard that news from, you know, somebody last week that he was, you know, mulling the decision to transfer, I, I kind of knew this was going to happen, you know, but you never want to believe it until it's, it's there. And getting the news is kind of jarring sometimes, man. Cause I mean, look, if we talk about the, the, the ride that this Creighton program has been on the last two years, um, to think about where we're going to be probably next year is, is going to be a very, very big change. You know, I mean, you bring your patience the next couple of years because this is going to be a rebuilding team. Um, when you lose all five, when you lose all five guys off the starting lineup, I mean, there's going to be some growing pains. So 2013 all over again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's got a much different tone than that though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess we're just going to have to kind of keep our, keep our pulse on this the next couple, next couple of podcast episodes. And obviously if there's anything that breaks, you know, while we are, you know, away from the podcast or anything like that, we'll definitely come back and, and do an episode and kind of talk about it and everything like that. But um, let's kind of get into Dan. I want to kind of get to, we, we talked about this the entire time. I don't want to cloud up this podcast with a big dark cloud, but uh, let's get back and just kind of get your take on what we talked about the first two uh, NCAA tournament preview uh, podcast. Um, just checking up on NCAA stuff. What, I mean, what do we got? Turning notes. Give me, give me, give me your thoughts on this last weekend of basketball. You know, I was actually a little bit disappointed. I thought the first weekend uh, we had some better games, maybe a little bit more. I mean, you're always going to have your scraps in college basketball, but it felt like we were very offensively challenged this week, whether you're talking about Oregon State and Loyola going at it or the rock fight that was uh, UCLA and Michigan last night. I mean, 51 points in a bat in a basketball game, a college basketball game, and you win. It's never going to be pretty. And I will I will be the first to admit this. I love Creighton basketball. I like college basketball. Right. There's a reason that I am an NBA guy because sometimes college basketball is very hard to hard to watch. And at the highest level here, you expect a little bit more. So it's always fun watching Gonzaga. You know tear teams apart because you know they're they're a beautiful machine and honestly i'm rooting for gonzaga versus baylor because i want a really good game but i mean there it wasn't all doom and gloom uh we had was it oral roberts in arkansas that was a pretty good one uh 72 to 70 they kind of kept it close but besides that it was either it was either blowout or you were famine for points so I, if I had to say, hey, what was the best college basketball game of the weekend? I am going with the Baylor women's basketball program, both against Michigan and against UConn. They didn't come on top against the Huskies, but it was for my the bang for my buck. I was the most entertained. Uh, Carrington, that guard, uh, she was she was a joy to watch. I mean. I was I had both the men's and the women's game on side by side, and I kept finding myself staring over there just because of the incompetent offense on the men's side. Um, is it am I happy to still point fun at the Big Ten that now they're gone? Absolutely. But after I think these first two matchups that we're gonna get in the final four, I think uh Baylor and Houston is hands down gonna be more interesting. But at the end of the day, I think we're I think the viewer's gonna win out and we'll get a championship that is is worthy of our attention. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to watching Gonzaga win the whole thing. So, <laughs> well, uh, let's let's end on some uh, fan questions for the end of this podcast here, and we'll wrap it up, guys. Um, we had four questions that we will kind of tackle here in this fan. Man, I don't even feel like doing this. Man, fucking losing Christian Bishop has just put a murder. It sucked the whole life tone. out of really going yeah. from Sweet 16. We're hopeful. We're going to be rebuilt, but we've, yeah. got a, we've got a chance to, you know, really make it. Now it's just the whole, all the oh. momentum out of the program has just yeah. been kind of. Yeah, that's yeah I just got a text from our buddy Jimmy. Well, oh, yeah, Blue Jay buff on the Twitterverse. Yeah, what do you? Have to uh, say? He, I asked him if he had seen the CB news, and he said, "Yep, we're fucked." Yep. <laughs> so well, you yeah. heard it from Blue Jay buff, baby. All right, well, let's get into these questions here and kind of try to take our minds off of this. Actually, a lot of these questions, one of these questions, has to do with something that we're talking about right now. So I guess we're not going to get away from this topic. But let's start with something that isn't about Christian Bishop. Let's talk about. Uh, next season at chai health do we see a full chai health on opening night um yes and that means 100 capacity no restrictions everything like that um i mean i think we're all going to have differing opinions here and I, I i guess i'll give my background on on events and uh, event capacities i'm a concert promoter in my free time so i have a i have i've, I've been very plugged into um you know, live events and, and the attendance of live events, obviously, because I don't have a job right now. So, um, you know, I personally think uh, it's, it's really going to depend on the vaccine rollout this, uh, this summer, how, how far, you know, we can get in that aspect. And then we can evaluate from August on. Um, I'm optimistic that I'll hopefully be back in the concert world sometime, you know, after August. So, you know, I would hope the same for Chai Health. I think November is far enough away. I really do. Um, I don't know if anybody else feels differently about that, but I really do think um, that we are headed in the right direction. And even if we have to wear masks, I don't care. I just want to be, I, I, I'll wear it. You know, I'm, I'm going to drink a beer or whatever, but like, you know, I'm going to wear it. If they tell us to, I will gladly do it. I won't, I won't bitch about it. I will, I just want to be back and watch basketball, you know? And, oh God. Yeah. And I don't really know if we are going to have a great team next year, but I really just want to watch the basketball. So, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this next question. We're, we're talking too much about COVID uh, two early predictions and expectations for next year. This is from a friend of mine on Twitter. Um, well, now that we've kind of learned everything about CB, I think we really need to temper our expectations. Bring your patience like you're sitting in fucking traffic because this next couple of years are going to be rough. Um, when you go through a rebuilding process like this, I mean, look, we're losing, barring, you know, Marcus Agarowski or Mitch Ballot coming back, we're losing our entire, entire starting five. So... I mean, yeah, it's going to be a huge change. I don't, I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't have huge expectations for next year. Um, prediction. I mean, if you, I mean, we've got some interesting stuff early in the season. We've got a tournament in um, the islands. I can't remember. It's somewhere in the Caribbean. St. Um, Thomas. Yeah. St. Thomas. Yep. And I think we could, uh, I think we could run that table even with, <laughs> even with a, a fresh lineup. Um but I mean, conference expectations are very low. I yeah, mean, where do at we this finish? point? I mean, I I would probably say at least the bottom half. I mean, 
I think Mac will probably bring in a couple transfers for next year, obviously to kind of fill, fill some gaps because he's going to have a ton of open scholarships. I mean, you know, I mean, if even if anybody else transfers, but he's got some room to work. So um, I'd rather be in the basement of a top five than in the top of a mid-major. Sure. And I, and I could agree with that. I could agree with that. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Any predictions for next year now that we've learned that Kirsten won't be coming back? NIT would be a huge win. Yeah. CBI, here we come. Yeah, hopefully not a CBI year. I mean, I don't think I could. I mean, I like having the extra home games, but I mean, since I don't live in St. Louis anymore, I guess I don't really don't care. But I mean, for the sake of the team, yeah, keep fucking playing, dude. I mean, you, you talk, we talked about it before on this podcast, but like, getting any sort of meaningful game time in for your players late in the season like that, you're only just doing yourself a favor. You know, you're, you're getting more minutes for those guys to play together, more minutes to develop against good talent. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think NIT would be the highest that we could go. And I don't think, um, I don't think anybody should feel bad for expecting something like that. But I mean, this, I mean, prepare for maybe a losing season. It might, it, it might happen. You know, I mean, it, it definitely could happen at this point. So uh, next question. What is the transfer portal going to look like for us? Well, now that we've lost Christian, I mean, we're just keep on reverting back to it here, but wide open. Yeah. I mean, you've got, I mean, at least two scholarships that have opened up since uh, Christian has left jet Canfield also could possibly be leaving, which uh, could open up another scholarship. And then you have, the um you know Ty Ty giving up his commitment to Creighton um you know in that 2021 class so you have his scholarship is uh, is open too so they potentially have you know a, a, they have a lot of room to bring people in I think they have an attractive pitch from a uh, playing time standpoint because you know I mean somebody you know one of these top transfers could come in right away and be like hey this is my program now let's let's run this you know so hey you want minutes come to Omaha. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, that's, that's the, that's, that's probably the most attractive part of the pitch. Um, you know, if that works for Greg McDermott, this next, um, you know, these next couple, couple weeks, I think that, 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 that'd be a good sign for Creighton in the future of their recruiting with Greg McDermott. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to be a waiting game these next couple weeks, just trying to figure out what's going to be going on. And, you know, we'll, we'll learn a lot in the next month. Um, about the future of Creighton basketball, especially for next season. I think the most devastating thing is the fear of not getting Godfather's pizza. <laughs> yes, I'm not worried I, I, about I'm, pizza. I, yeah, I'm glad you're worried about pizza at the time like this. I mean, it's the only really? thing that's keeping me happy after the news <laughs> we just got. But yeah. Hey, I don't, I don't fucking blame you, dude. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of right there. I mean, Can I be honest and say I've never cashed in one of my tickets for the free pizza? Because that's true. Well, then why the hell do you care about the pizza? Because it's fun to tweet. Well, yeah, Godfather Giffy, and, and it's shit. free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the fact that if I want it, I can have it for free. Free. The, well, the one to, thing that Nebraska basketball time. has on us is that they get. The runs a discount, and I, would, I use that all the time. I would take the runs a discount over the the Godfather's Pizza discount. Uh, no, yeah. no, and yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. only thing that I think I would ever like about about Nebraska basketball. Yeah. So, I mean, all right. Well, let's get on to our last question here. Um, 
this is actually a good one too. I mean, talking about, you know, if, if Greg McDermott can't retain players, who are we going to look to, to be our coach? Where do you see Darren and Porter going from uh, here after their great seasons with Drake and Loyola? I think this is a great question. Exactly where they're at. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, Darren DeVries just signed a eight year extension with, with Drake. So barring like some massive like offer from like a, huge school i don't think he's leaving iowa state screwed the pooch man they got homeboy from unlv that was bad Bad move yeah very bad i don't think he would have gone to iowa state anyway you know like i think i think he wants to i think he wants to stay at drake for a while you know like i don't think he wants to leave there yet he's only been there what two seasons yeah yeah so i mean i i just don't see i mean he's got he's got a family there i think his son is coming. But it's not like you, you could commute from Des Moines yeah. to Ames, you know, right, right. it happened. I understand what you're saying that he wants to grow at Drake. And also you don't have the, the spotlight that you would do at a big 12 school. But I mean, it's, it's not a DeVries thing. I'm saying Iowa state screwed up because I think you got the better coach, the, they're the guy that they landed. He didn't even go 500 in the mountain West. Yeah, I mean, I would honestly hate to be an Iowa State fan right now because I thought I thought their hiring of their last coach Steve it was Steve Prohm, wasn't it? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it was Prohm. Yeah, or maybe it wasn't the Mountain West, but overall he was under five hundred for his career there. Yeah, I just I I don't think Steve. I mean, I think that's an elite job. You know, like Hilton's like a really great place to play. They have a really storied like they've been good the past like ten years. You know, Fred I mean, Hoy- they, Fred Hoiberg took that program to the next. They level. won a Big Twelve t- season title and championship. So yeah, yeah. When, it's a let, when, let down. Yeah, when was that? Oh, it was before two thousand and fifteen. Then I'd probably say twenty fifteen. Yeah, I can't remember. It was it was the year after Fred left because it's just kind of gradually gone down yeah right but anyway i mean i i don't know i don't i don't see either of those dudes i mean like porter could probably leave loyola here anytime i think he's probably i think he's like i think he's been courted by a lot of people i think there have been a lot of people hitting his hitting his line because he's been at loyola for a bit longer than darren has been at drake um you know and porter definitely when he's ready he, he can get a top job I think he'll be, I mean, he's, he's taken Loyola to the final four and they had a great run in the tournament this year. Um, I think he's a better Greg Marshall, in my opinion. I really do. Um, I think he's a better coach. He better he, person. He, yes. Way better person. We talked about this on the podcast before too. That's not hard to do for the person standpoint. Right yeah. Now. He's a jackass. We all know that Greg Marshall's a massive piece of shit. So, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I think Porter, I think Porter would be my pick for um, the next Creighton head coach. Had if he not if he does not get offered a big time job until there's a vacancy at Creighton, I think. I mean, I think he'll get offered. I, I know he's been offered jobs. You know, he's been in the discussion for a ton of jobs. I think he's just turned down. I mean, I would love to see him come to Creighton. I think that would be. I, I would like to see him more than Darren because I think Porter. Um, you know, I think Porter's just a little bit more seasoned. I, I always like to go with with the older guys. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't. There's no knock to Darren DeVries because I think he's a hell of a coach. You know what I mean? He's he scouted so many important games. I think he's a great defensive mind, um, and I think he's an elite coach. But I, I would, I would, 
I always defer to the older guy. So <laughs> I would take Porter Mosher. I mean, who who do you guys who would you guys take? Would you take Porter or would you take uh, Darren? I'd take Porter. Porter. Dan, we're gonna go four for four here. Um, I would also, considering the circumstances, I think we seriously need to consider a minority candidate as well. But if you're making me choose between the two, um, I would go Porter, but I would have I would not be upset if DeVries came here. Yeah, no, and I like your point about maybe getting some diversity into the program, you know? Like I think it's I mean, obviously with everything that we've been through the last um the last couple months, it might be a good decision to take that into account, you know? I mean, you know, you always want to get the best person for the job, but like you know, I think that would be a, a huge move, you know, to bring some diversity into the program, which is desperately needed. You yeah. Know? Also, real quick, did a little fact checking. Uh, I recant what I said about Iowa State winning a season title. They haven't done that since 01, but they, they won the Big 12 tournament. They won they? the Big 12 tournament in 2014, 15, 17, and 19. Oh, God. So, and uh, Prome for 17, 19, Hoidberg for 14 and 15. Wow. So there we go. I guess there you Prome, go. Yeah, Prome just he just he definitely plateaued eventually and just it's kind of like a little bit how our, our friend Greg McDermott did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Frank Soli. Oh, we're just kind of shitting on Greg <laughs> McDermott tonight. I feel bad. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I I I, I guess I really don't, but I mean we're hurt. Yeah, it's I think this is yeah, this has definitely been the most raw podcast that we've done so far. So I mean let's wrap it up there, guys. I mean, this is this has been a crazy episode. I can't believe we're on almost hour number two here. I'm gonna have to edit a lot of this out, but um wow. I mean, guys, final final yeah, no, I'll I'll get the job done. Everybody's gonna be listening to this final product, it'd be great. But uh final thoughts here before we kind of buzz off. Dan, we'll start with you. Um Really excited for the NBA playoffs and the Blazers. <laughs> All right. Completely diverting the question. I love it. Blake, where are we at? It's a long road ahead. Yep. Um, but, you know, we're all Blue Jays fans, so we'll be there every mile on that long road to cheer them on and hope for the best and take what we can get and see what we can do. Brock, bring us home. Um, it's going to be a fun next couple of seasons. It might not be what we want, but it will be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, like I said, bring your patience the next couple of weeks because this is going to be a bumpy time to be in the Creighton basketball uh, fandom world. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a wrap on 2020 and 2021 season where Creighton finishes in the Sweet 16 against Gonzaga. If anything else, we can hang our hats on the, the Sweet 16 birth and kind of just uh, take things as they come the next couple of weeks. But until then, find us on uh, on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Section 229 Talk. On Facebook, you can find us at Section 229 colon Creighton Basketball Talk. I don't know, guys. We're ending this one on a really, uh, really weird note. But uh, until next time. Oh, yeah. You know, hey, I guess I probably should note. We're going to be going back down to uh, monthly podcast episodes on the off season. So we'll probably get together monthly, maybe even 
um, every other month. We'll kind of see what, what, what happens, but I can tell you that we do have some fun guests for the summer that are going to be coming on and talking about their Creighton careers, as well as a review of the top five Wichita state and Creighton matchups in history. I'm going to be bringing on a friend, from the Wichita State fandom world, and we'll be kind of breaking down some of these games as we saw them unfold, and we will uh, we'll have some fun with that. So it's going to be a fun summer ahead. Join us. Make sure to like and subscribe on whatever platform that you uh, subscribe to, and I guess we will talk here in a couple weeks. Hang on to your hats next couple weeks here, and we will talk soon. Go Jays. Go Jays. Go Jays. Go Jays. Go Jays.